You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 233. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Today, finally joined by Aaron again after so much traveling around the, the country, around the world from, from both of us. Uh, it's, it's good to be back. And man, I am behind on these episodes. I am so sorry. <laughs> so thanks. It's good to be back in the saddle. Let's see if we can we can catch up. Yeah, thanks for thanks for bailing me out today. And I do have some uh, some extra. Um, I, I I am working on some guests, but you know, I was away. While I was away, I was networking with people who might be guests, so that's good. But you know, it takes a little while for it to it to all come through. Um, but in the meantime, I think people are enjoying just listening to me and just listening to me and you because the numbers have been going up a little bit, haven't reached our all-time high, but I, but I see more listeners. So that's Can't been pretty cool. Can't argue with the data. Yeah. All right. So uh, today we're just going to talk about all the craziness in the crypto markets. Uh, so what happened was for the first time in, in years, I left for a two-week trip, and that's when everything just starts to explode right on the first day, day one. Uh, that, of course, has to happen, right? So that's just the, uh, that's the thing. It probably sometimes saves me from myself, but uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, 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 is, it is kind of a tradition. And of course, what's happened uh, in the crypto industry and in Bitcoin, we see uh, a price drop, uh, a, a rather large price drop from, uh, you know, for, from the standards of uh any given asset, although from crypto standards, it's we'll see uh, it's a, it's a large drop, but kind of th- something we've seen before. Um, but also, we've seen th- this comes amidst a lot of other trouble in the industry. So yeah, I I, say, it's it's tough to judge how it's moving uh, on 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 multiple fronts because okay, so what do you benchmark it against? If there's all this talk about inflation and the dollar and other currencies moving around. And so do you, can you consider that a reliable benchmark to, to measure crypto off of? But then there's also talk of, well, in, in, in theory, at least, a lot of people were saying, well, when, when inflation spikes and the dollar becomes uh, less desirable, then uh, crypto is going to skyrocket. And, and that is not what we've seen in the last month or so. Right. So, so, so what's really going on? So, okay, so I talked about inflation last time, and as I pointed out, uh, we're, we have high inflation but not hyperinflation, which means even at 8 10% inflation, like, that's, that's, uh, that's a lot. It drains your money over the course of a few years, but when you're benchmarking things off of uh, weeks, as we're doing here with, with cryptocurrency, then it, it's... it's then just the the price is a pretty good benchmark, I would say. Now, some people think it's the raising of interest rates that's causing this as well, the federal reaction to try to fight the inflation. I think that that connection is, I think there's a connection, but I think it's a little overblown, as we'll see in a little bit. Uh, But um, yeah, let's, uh, first of all, uh, just one great source for all of this is um, Naomi Brockwell, who's been on the show for a few times, and she has a a thing on Substack of crypto contagion uh, spreads. So if you want to read more about it, uh, I I think that's a great article to read just just right off the bat. But I think now uh, we're going to try to go through, try to hit on all the high points of what's happened and try to at least have some level of understanding and then 
kind of some level of where to go from here. So first of all, so, well, this... be, before you jump into that, let me, let me yeah. throw out one thing. Uh, and, and you mentioned uh, we're, we're not experiencing hyperinflation. And I think in your in your last episode, you mentioned your your Zimbabwean uh, uh, dollars or. or yeah. Oh, I should get it out. Dollar bills, billion yeah. dollar bills. But then I have um, to leave the room. <laughs> so hundred million dollars. Uh, it was this... I could have gotten hundred trillion dollars, but that would cost me like <laughs> three hundred bucks. And I was like, nah, I think I could make my point with a, a set, with a hundred million dollar bill. I, I did yeah. see something earlier this week uh, that that apparently uh, Zimbabwe's inflation rate uh, as as of uh, June twenty fifth hit a hundred and ninety one point six percent actual. Um, so it sounds like still. They're, so this they're, was from ten years coming ago. Coming into their their second round of massive inflation in a generation. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I, I, I had a professor once who, when he, he said, we always call uh, large numbers astronomical because astronomy has big numbers, but they really should be called economical numbers, <laughs> uh, which, you know, is, is so, some sort of anal- analogy to the economy, maybe because economical sounds small. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. So, Anyway, uh, before we go on, before we go on to what's happening in 2022, I want to read the 2018 uh, Beyond the Bubble. What happened to Bitcoin in 2018? This is very similar to the 2018 crash, at least in terms of price. Uh, 2018 crash was far worse in terms of price. And two paragraphs from this article, which is from uh, Fast Company from 2018, kind of hit, hit home today. One is t- towards the beginning of the article. It says, when Bitcoin was rising last year, it seemed like a trend. Everybody from your grandmother to your barista was su- suddenly becoming hip to. Of course, plenty of folks cautioned that it could be a bubble, but it's always hard to realize such a thing when you're in the midst of it. It's free money, right? Why not get in on it? Just don't remortgage your house. And there's a link on that. I assume someone remortgaged their house and got into trouble. Um, and then the last, of, well, I don't, uh, the link could just be, uh, uh, that's just my assumption. Maybe, maybe they're, they're fooling us. Uh, but uh, anyway, the, the last paragraph is uh, they tried to add a final paragraph of hope from 2018. And so they write, wrote uh, uh, from a, a critic who, who had, quote unquote, called the bubble all along. Those are the people who always come out. And he said, this is a legitimate technology. It's going to expand. My longer term view is nowhere near some of my current views are. It could perhaps hit 10,000 again, he said, but that will probably take a few years for now. Wait and see. Now, um, as you know, Bitcoin at that point plunged and this is only a few years ago, plunged down to $3,000. It felt like it was just going to stay there and it was just dead. And it ended up hitting 10000 again. Uh, this was November 2018, I think, by the, the, the following summer or following spring. So six, six months. So, uh, yeah, less, less than a year later. And so, so this was approximately four years ago. And, and what, again, is the... The uh, duration of the halvening is, is that- that's four years. Yeah, it is four years. So okay. we'll we'll talk about that. There does seem to be a pattern there, and I think that makes sense. I know some people don't agree, but I this this is part of my take on it. Now, of course, uh, just because there's you know just because there's some predictable cycle with the halvening, each one is a little bit different, and each one has different players causing different types of errors. Um, different scales of errors. And so let's go through those first, then we could talk about the happening right. and what, yeah, what that it, means. 
even even if there is a a detectable signal in the cycle, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the dominant signal. Right, and also each halvening, which means that the the um, amount of Bitcoin being created, so to speak, gets less and less. Uh, uh, it gets cut in half essentially every four years. Eventually, I would think that becomes a non-issue because the right the, you, you would expect the, the effects to yeah. eventually taper. Right, it's right, becoming less and less significant. Okay, or so dramatic, I guess. Maybe this happens again a few more cycles, but but we don't know. Anyway, so what were the actual problems? So some of them, and, and by the way, some of them I'm I went more technically in depth in on other ones. This is the one I know less about, but the one that kicked it off is this UST thing. Uh, that blew up units. UST was a stable coin. Uh, a stable coin is uh, a cryptocurrency that is pegged to uh, another asset, like in this case, the dollar. And um, it, the idea is, you know, I have a bunch of dollars in reserve and I issue this cryptocurrency. It's somewhat centralized, but you can like, you know, kind of just uh, trade uh, trade it as kind of, you know, by by uh, forwarding on cryptographic signatures, so they're still they're still mining. There's still there's still a blockchain, um, and uh, basically, I back it and I'm willing to trade you dollars for it. So it's pegged to the dollar. Uh, and so I've I've heard some conflicting things about stablecoins because yeah, uh, one one thing I've heard is that that it's it's not intended to be you know really held or invested in. That it's it's a method for basically getting money in and out of crypto. That rather right. than having to go directly from U.S. dollars to, to Bitcoin or vice versa, you can take other crypto holdings, convert them into a, a stable coin, and then the st- converting the stable coin into U.S. dollars is much simpler. That's um, exactly right. Yeah, that's that's the point. But, but on uh, the other hand, uh, I, I have a very small amount uh, invested in in uh, actually not well. I, I have a small amount with uh, with BlockFi. Um, which, which we could talk I, about in a second. Yeah, so do I. Which which I put there as 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 quote unquote dollars, but I believe it's actually denominated in a stable coin equivalent to U.S. dollars. It's not that they're actually holding it in dollars. I think it's it's like USDC. I bet. Yeah, USD yeah. something like Gemini or or one of those. Yeah. Um, so USDC is the main one, and I would say that's probably the most reliable one. There's also Tether that's used internationally. Uh, that gets more criticism. I'm just not exactly sure why. But this one, UST, UST was obviously really messed up uh, because they were doing all sorts of complicated stuff that led to them essentially losing the peg. They couldn't back it from the dollar, lost its value, and then, you know, a lot of uh, yeah, I, a lot I, of companies. I heard something about how it was a, a quote unquote algorithmic stablecoin, which which I, I I don't know much about exactly how that was implemented, but it it sounds like a fancy term for there was a lot of hand waving in the background. They didn't actually have sufficient backing. Uh, yeah, and and that's that's why it, it got out of whack. That, that that's a good way to look at it because I feel a little. Um, yeah, you know, I, I feel like part of the uh, reason for the local maximum is for us to explain what's going on. So if something called an algorithm, al- algorithmic coin, I want to be able to explain to the audience what the algorithm is. But it, it seems to be very opaque. I just don't get it. I don't want to look into it. And that probably is for a reason. It's probably there, uh, you know, that sometimes things are opaque to hide the fact that it doesn't really add, things don't really add up. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and that's that, that's a big piece of of the uh, the crypto uh, uh, kind of value proposition is that uh, the the 
algorithm is maybe the wrong term for it, but but the whole like blockchain, it's 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 essentially open source. Like there's there's no secret sauce into how it's being done. You can look at at all the code for how it works and understand it. Uh, and and as with all open source projects, hopefully that means that many eyes, uh, you know, make make uh, make few bugs. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and that's why people criticize some of these other projects, uh, and, and, you know, rightfully so. So another one of the dominoes to fall is Celsius. So Celsius is one of these companies where you can give them your cryptocurrency, like Bitcoin or, or USDC or whatever, and earn, earn a return on it. And it's very scary for Celsius holders right now because they have, um, they've, they've, they've halted trading, essentially, Whatever you have on there, that's it. It's stuck, and you can't get it out. Now, uh, how did we get into this situation, uh, first of all? So there's something <laughs> – there's, there's several dominoes that, uh, that, 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 that you have to understand before you get to this. So Ethereum Wait, right just, now – Just to be clear, yeah. Celsius is itself a coin. Uh, oh, oh no! But it's a it's a company. It's it's like no, okay. BlockFi. It's like yeah. So, so Celsius is 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 like they have a, a coin a broker but... or a company. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's you could think of it as kind of like a a, a savings and loan type company. Like you you put gotcha. your money in and they lend it out and and they get a return on it. Um, okay, uh, fair enough. Um, so back up a little bit from this a second. So we we have. Ethereum, that is the second largest cryptocurrency. It specializes in smart contracts, uh, you know, the ability to create tokens on it, to trade tokens based on and, logic. And is Celsius specifically yeah. focused on Ethereum or, or that's just a part of their portfolio of... of... Well, it's a, it's a part, but there's... Uh, I'll get into what the, the problem is here. So first of all, Ethereum is working on essentially upgrading itself, making changes to the blockchain rules. Now, I don't know exactly how you do that, but apparently they're moving from proof of work to proof of stake. Now, that could be a whole episode on proof of work versus proof of stake. Proof of work is what makes Bitcoin works. It's what gives its its monetary uh, uh, properties. In other words, if you want to create more Bitcoin, if you want to be a miner and get more Bitcoin, you have to expend energy to do that. And proof of stake is like um, based on you know, the current owners are the ones who have, who have like a stake in the system who kind of call the shots. So now, essentially is, is what they're doing... Is this part of the ETH versus ETH2 or is that yes. a completely separate... Oh, that, this so is that's what it the is. distinction we're talking yeah. about. Gotcha. So, so I, I think what they're doing is they're sacrificing some of the monetary properties of Bitcoin and some decentralization... Uh, but not all decentralization will still be, a, you know, it'll still be a blockchain. It'll still be, but uh, but they're they're trading some of that for efficiency and executing smart contracts, which is um, what Ethereum is good at. So this is a move that might be true that it makes sense for Ethereum and, and not Bitcoin, which is why they're doing it. But but we'll see. So okay, anyway, it requires people to stake their Ethereum uh, in order to get the system to work. Uh, in order to get uh, rewards. So apparently people stake their Ethereum. Somehow it's used to validate the transactions. I'm not exactly sure how. And then after a time, that Ethereum gets unstaked and they get a little reward from that, which is like the gas fees from all of the, so, all of the so smart contracts. So how is this different from, from in a, a traditional dollars economy uh, from me putting money in the bank and getting interest on my savings account. Is, so this is, is it... all occurring on the blockchain. 
okay. so it's yeah, so it's 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 going to be like internal to how the blockchain works, and they're not going to be creating new Ethereum. Basically, this is all going to be running through the fees of the smart contracts are going to go into paying the people who are staking their Ethereum. So to run a smart contract on Ethereum, it requires uh, you know it it it, it requires. A little bit. Each smart contract has to have a little Ethereum in there that then gets spent as the thing is run. So, um, so, so this staking is completely distinct from from mining. Well, yeah, it's sort of a alternative now. Uh, yeah, so that 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 that's the idea. I don't want to necessarily get into all the details, but well, so, so so in a in a sorry to derail this in a, in yes, a proof of stake system uh, is is there no mining anymore? Uh. Or, or, I'm not or is entirely, that happening uh, in parallel? I'm not entirely sure. I believe I believe not. I believe it's all... I mean, you still have to have uh, validators running the smart contracts, right? And so I guess I guess the staking is the mining. Um, and, and so I'm sorry, you've reached the, uh, the, the limits of my, <laughs> well, of my understanding. Because well, I, I, I guess the, the thing that I'm, I'm a little unclear on is, is mining is a way to, to introduce additional... Uh, you know, coins in, into into the into circulation, uh, and yeah. and if 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 that's not happening, if it's all proof of stake and 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 gas fees, then then it, it sounds like the market is the 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 total you know num- number of ETH is, would then be capped. Um, exactly. Unless there's some other mechanism that's that's introducing them. You're exactly right. And there are people who are saying, oh, man, we're going to make so much money when this thing comes out because it's going to be hard capped or remain to be seen. You know, that that kind of works for Bitcoin. We're not sure if that works for Ethereum yet. Uh, So. So, yeah, there's a little bit of a happening there. And. I feel like I've seen comments online where this is like five having. So but then that 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 um, that kind of suggests that it there's still something coming, some new Ethereum coming into the system. So it's, it's kind of unclear what's, what's going on. I, I don't have the exact numbers, but apparently new issuance of Ethereum is going to drop precipitously uh, when this comes out. Now, they've been testing this for a long time, years, in fact. You know, they said they're going to come, come out with it this year. There are a few delays. You know, it's a software project. It's a very important software project. So much money is on the line. So they keep testing it. They keep delaying it. Now, um, there's some Ethereum that is already staked as they build this, and you could stake Ethereum as they build this, and you're you're getting rewards as it goes. But that Ethereum uh, stays on chain; you can't withdraw it until they finish this upgrade. So, so it's, uh, it's locked in until release day. Right, right. Now you can like uh, uh, trade staked Ethereum. I could be like, hey, I have uh, ten Ethereum that I have staked. I can't get it out, but I'll sell it. I'll sell you a claim on that, and so I'll, you know, you'll, you'll get it when it does come out. And so companies are doing that, but because of the kind of uncertainty, uh, so so that used to trade very closely to Ethereum, like like you know claims of staked Ethereum, uh, but because of the uncertainty, the trades are no longer one to one. And I think my understanding is that Celsius assumes that it would be one to one. And then it became a liquid as, as a result. They're waiting for their Ethereum to thaw, their ETH to the thaw, and it, it ain't thawing. So my thought on that is they must have had done quite a bit more wrong to, to not be able to get a loan or something to cover them until this thing is done. But uh, they, they, must have, they must have done this and a bunch of, whole bunch of other things to really mess up. So yeah, that ended up 
halting trading a couple weeks ago. The speculation that they're just illiquid, but they 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 have all of this uh, staked Ethereum that they can't get out of there, and so they can't let anyone take their money out. But everyone who has their money on the platform can access it, and it's uncertain if they they ever will. Though I think it's give if this is the main problem, it's likely something will be worked out in the long run. But this kind of um, even if it's just Celsius, it kind of makes everybody uh, less trustworthy, if you know what I mean. Like, it's just sure. like, well, if this one didn't well, work, maybe... Is, uh, is there realistically a, a concern that, that, like, if Celsius goes under, then, then all those ETH are, are locked up and, and can't be accessed by anyone and they basically become orphaned? Or, or is it the type of thing where, no, yeah, maybe they can well, go under because they can't be liquid enough to operate, but uh, everyone keeps their assets uh, the, that, you know... But the, so likely... The, the, the the trade in frozen ETH will probably drop even more if that happens, but but it doesn't evaporate or or get you know locked and the keys lost. Yeah. So if the company goes under, they'll get uh, liquidated. That has not happened yet, by the way. So there they still mean to be seen. Uh, three hours capital, which we'll get to in a second, is getting liquidated uh, as we speak. Uh, but Celsius is not. Um, as we speak, again, this could change. Um, but the the first people to suffer when a company list like this gets liquidated is are the shareholders. They're the owners, so it could just pass on to new ownership, and then now uh, you know the, the the new ownership then can 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 start on a more solid basis because it, it basically goes to the creditors, and so hopefully it doesn't affect the depositors, but. You never know. Uh, so it, it depends how, how big of a hole they're in, right. and, essentially. And, and unlike uh, if, if your savings and loan goes under, there's no FDIC in, uh, you know, insurance on this, that, that it's, it's completely up to what, who, you know, the, how, however the, the company goes under and, and, and who buys it up and, and how they handle that. Yeah. I should point out, nowadays, some of these companies, I don't know about Celsius, do have FDIC insurance. So, uh, but... Well, right. I, yeah, I know that I was know. a big thing with BlockFi is that they they basically had to uh, transition to operating more like a traditional bank in some ways. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All right. So three arrows. Cap- so so that's what's going on with Celsius. That's the high level thing. Three hour arrows capital. Uh, that's the company out of uh, Singapore, which now, apparently when, when you first said their name, I thought it was three hours capital. I said, well, that's, that yeah. doesn't, uh, that doesn't give me a, a feeling of confidence and longevity. Three it's, arrows. It's, it's arrows like bows and arrow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they apparently, I don't know what they were doing, but they are apparently being liquidated. And apparently all of these companies, like everyone loaned to them and, uh, three hour arrows capital just just went bust. You can't pay back the loan anymore. Now a lot of these companies have uh, collateral on three hours capital, where either they got collateral directly or they have a claim on the company's liquidated assets, um, and so that includes BlockFi and Voyager and Celsius. They all lent to three hours capital. Um, so there is some collateral, and then when Three Arrows Capital is liquidated, their assets will help make the creditors whole, but there will still be losses, and they'll have to wait for this process to finish. So this whole everyone lending to this one big company that had an overly optimistic view of um, what crypto was going to do in the short term seems like a really, 
a really big mistake, a really bad cluster of errors that uh, has certainly happened. There's historical precedent for that. It seems like a, a huge blind, blind splat to me. Um, so, yeah, there'll be losses. Can it be contained at that? We'll, we'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to wait for this process to finish. So the reports are that BlockFi and Voyager have gotten lines of credit from this company, step in, stage right, uh, FTX. Um, so that is a company, uh, 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 one of the crypto whale companies, brand new, founded in 2019 by 30-year-old billionaire and MIT grad Sam Bankman-Fried. So uh, probably a friend of yours from when you were in college. No, he was too young. But, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, 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 oh, I, he's I, in the Bahamas. I see where his name is familiar yeah. from. I, I've, uh, I've heard about him from the, uh, the effective altruism world. Because I guess okay. he's, he's either donated or pledged a, a large portion of his fortune. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So um, essentially, he's given lifelines to BlockFi and Voyager, not out of the goodness of his heart. This is not part of, uh, this is not part of the effective al- altruism. I'm sure he's taken a cut of the companies. And there's even a report that uh, today on CNBC, it said BlockFi is going on fire sale to FTX, which means that essentially the investors would all get wiped out. Uh, but for people who have money in BlockFi, that's great because now you're backed by one of the big guys. Uh, so the CEO of BlockFi, Zach Prince, he denied this and said, no, this is not happening. So no one else has yet to confirm or deny. So we, we're still unsure of, of, of what's going on. And we still don't know a lot about what the balance sheet of this comp- these companies really look like. It does appear that they had losses. Uh, it appears that it, it's, it's not deep enough for them to go completely bust and under, but it, it might be deep enough for like a fire sale. So we'll see what happens. Um, I found this. So, so you, you, you said we kind of have to wait and see, uh, how this shakes out. How, how long do you expect it's going to take to, to kind of get a resolution? Are we, are we looking at, you know, days, weeks, months, years? That's a good question. I don't know. I settled. I think we'll, I think, I don't think it's going to take years to know, uh, how these companies will shake out. Probably my guess a few months. Um, but, th- but then like, you know, look, it, well, especially the Celsius thing or, or especially the 3AC thing, when you have a big company like that getting liquidated, there are always residual lawsuits and stuff going sure, on years sure. and stuff. It, but I it, think it we'll probably know won't be concluded that quickly, but yeah. we should at least have a pretty, a much clearer picture of where yeah. it's going yeah. and what the but, end game looks like. Yeah. But my guess is, I mean, look, if the CEO is vehemently denying this fire sale, maybe that uh, report was exaggerated. Uh, it could just be that FTX is taking a large cut of some of these companies and the uh, investors are getting, uh, in, um, uh, is it called inflated? I think it's called inflated quite a bit. Is it inflated or no, diluted, diluted. Ah, it's different oh, yeah. from inflated. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Can, can we just take a moment to recognize the, uh, what, what, what's the term? Is it nominative determinism of uh, Samuel Bankman Freed uh, coming in and bailing <laughs> these guys out? <laughs> You know, I didn't notice that. So he's the bank man that's going to freed you. Okay, yeah, I get it. Um, that is uh, that is really, um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, makes you wonder if we're uh, living in the simulation or not. <laughs> it kind of does. It kind of does. I did not notice that. That is a great observation. Um, okay, so in response to this uh, 
I found this tweet interesting from uh, Tur Damistra on Twitter. He's been in the Bitcoin space for um, about 10 years. So this guy's been, been tweeting on this for a long time. He writes, less than a year ago, BlockFi raised a $500 million round. This is what can happen with fractional reserve banking, improperly secured loans, and maturity mismatching. Uh, Bitcoin is going through puberty. Now, he walked this back a little when he realized that the fire sale is still in doubt, but I suspect that the same sentiment still holds. Um, so, um, and now, of course, there are a lot of people saying like, you know, you shouldn't have, you should only keep your money, um, you, sh- you should hold it yourself, you shouldn't let anyone hold it because then they'll rehypothecate it and this stuff could happen and it could be stressful. I have to say like, you know, for me, I, I want to make a, a, a return on some of my crypto. So I do lend it out to some of these companies. Uh, but I also have a large chunk of it that I, I store myself. And uh, I have to say that that chunk is, is giving me a lot less headaches these days. So uh, uh, I don't know, maybe there's something to be said for that. All right. So well, so, so how, how panicked should I be given that I have a a small but non-zero amount with, with uh, in this case, with BlockFi, for example? So first, so BlockFi, uh, I mean, you could just uh, withdraw it from BlockFi. You're not really getting any um, return on that, right? You're, so like, the, I, I would just say, um, yeah, I mean, if I had to put a probability on like, having problems withdrawing that i'd say it's pretty low but i i, I wouldn't you know i i i'd personally feel more comfortable uh taking it out and putting it somewhere else whether it's uh on my own wallet or um or even a company like coinbase where you know it's still they say you know not your keys not your coin but coinbase is not doing the whole uh rate of return thing. And so they're, I, I think they're on like a sounder basis than BlockFi is. So well, e- and, either and that, I, I, I wouldn't panic, first of all, like panic. Well, panic is never good, but like there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing here that would war- warrant a serious panic. Uh, but, uh, but uh, yeah, that's, that's my take on it. I, I'd so, say I, I'm, I'm I, a I lot less uh, bullish on putting stuff in there than I, than I was for sure. I, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't brought notes to back this up, but I believe I heard something in the last couple of weeks about, uh, I, I think it was Coinbase uh, laying off a, a, a portion of their staff because uh, right. they, I, I may be extrapolating too much, but the the, the narrative that I, that I was was fed on this was that uh, you know they they've they kind of overextended and it looks like we're going to be in a little bit of a, da- a crypto downturn for a while, so they needed to slim down. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it's it, it's amazing because these downturns happen so regularly. Uh, that it's like, why wouldn't you pr- prepare for that? Uh, but um, I guess, I mean, I probably w- would have overestimated what the downturn would have been. Uh, but Or like, I, I probably thought the bottom would have been, I, I, I probably would have thought two years ago we'd have a higher top and a higher bottom. But still, like, you know, you have to leave this open as a possibility. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think... Um, I, I, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. We still have to follow up on their whole like no politics at work thing that we talked about a couple of years ago, which doesn't seem to be, uh, isn't being blamed for this. It seems like if it was being blamed for this, then we would have known about it. But uh, uh, anyway, it'll take years to sort out how, how that's done. All right. So, uh, yeah. So, 
I hope I answered your question on BlockFi to the best of my ability. Uh, what does the future look like? Um, well, we've been here before on price movements, and the two examples I could give are January of 2015, where there was a pl- price plunge down to $180 a Bitcoin. Uh, and in uh, November 2018, when there was a plunge down to 3,500, um, and both of those were about a year and a half before the next halving. And I do think there's a natural uh, part of the cycle. Now, by the way, there there was another crash that people point to as as similar. I don't think it's similar, and that's the COVID crash that was in March of 2020, and Bitcoin dropped to 4,000, and then it quickly recovered. And I think the re- it's not that bad things don't happen in what, what all parts the, of the cycle. What was the peak it was dropping from at that point? Just uh, 15,000. Okay, so so that, that was, that was you know... No, 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 tw- and it was 20,000 in 2017. So it was, uh, it was 20,000. It, it was losing yeah. like two, two-thirds of its value r- rapidly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Whereas um, in, in this case, we, we've, we've dropped, what, about half well it depends on where you start counting um but yeah i mean if you count from the top it's almost you know uh, it's almost like 70 percent uh but um i think that uh, i i think that one recovered fast not just because of macro things but i also think that it's because we were too close to the next halving at that point and so um you know that if this happens I, I do think that the the crashes have kind of different cycles. So the bad stuff that happens mid having is going to keep the uh, uh, keep the value low for for you know a, a time, a significant time, which is unlike the COVID crash, which it came back very quickly. Uh, now the one in 2018 that also came back pretty quickly. Like I said, you know, I said, oh, maybe it'll get back to 10,000, uh, but um, you did have to wait a good five months for that to occur. January 2015, you didn't have a big uptick until November, uh, October of that year. So you had to wait almost a, a full year or, or nine months. So um, that's kind of my benchmark on, on what I think is going to happen. So uh, I, I do think there's a cycle, but be careful about trying to predict what the cycle is. Um, there was uh, famously Plan B's stock-to-flow model, uh, which I liked. I thought it was doing a good job, but that overestimated where things were going. And then there was this crazy theory going around called the super cycle that was like, no, we're going to like a million next year because uh, even, the, even the past cycles are not, uh, are not, are not good enough. We're, we're in a super cycle now. And so apparently the super cycle was uh, Three Arrows Capital's uh, uh, working thesis. It didn't work out too well for them. So um, yeah, I think what's going to happen is bad actors who over leverage will be taken out. It's going to be an uncertain time for uh, investors in these companies and uh, even for de- depositors. We're going to sweat a little bit. Um, if I have to make a prediction, why don't I make a prediction? And we'll hold me to it. It's not like people on TV who just move on. I predict that the price will be back up, not at an all-time high, but kind of like an uptick from now um, in a year at most and could be sooner. I'm using the 2015 and 2018 as, as a benchmark. Essentially, the have next having occurs early twenty twenty four, so it's a little less than four years actually. Um, so, um, and I think that's true even if the Fed keeps hiking rates. People say, okay, 
you know, um, if uh, this is because the Federal Reserve is hiking rates and that's making the stock market go down and that's making Bitcoin go down. And that is true to an extent. Um, and that's, that's one of the things causing all of these things to come to a head right now. But in Bitcoin, you also have this thing where it's a growing ecosystem of a new technology. So it's not so, yes, like the Internet can fall in like the Internet bubble of, of 2000 or 99 to 2001. Uh, but that's not like going to keep the Internet down permanently. And well, you did have interest rates lowering there. But if they if they just kept interest rates high throughout that whole thing, I mean, maybe we'd be in economic trouble, but you'd still have the internet growing and you, you wouldn't be able to keep the, the, you wouldn't be able to keep Amazon down for long in the early two thousands. I, 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 you know, we, I think we, we, we can now say that. So, um, so yeah, I, I think the overwhelming, uh, the overwhelming effects over the medium term is going to be the fact that it's a growing ecosystem and network. Um, so that's, uh, that's my, thesis on this. Hope it makes sense. Any questions before we announce my new segment? Oh, look, I see you posted the chart there. Maybe I'll, I'll post that online. Yeah, yeah I, I was just looking at the uh, the, the Bitcoin price history that it, it, it shows mo- the uh, the key highs and lows. Uh, and yeah, it's it, I, I have to keep reminding myself that it's a, the the Y axis is in uh, in uh, log scale. Otherwise, mm. it, it would be impossible to, to make much resolution out of the lower lower portion of that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Yeah. And, and some of the, some of the more fine grain log scale ones, you could really see the, uh, you could really see like the smooth curve, um, which is pretty cool. Um, okay. So you had a great idea for this segment. I wanted to do something on this that will tie together a lot of things that I wanted to talk about. Part of this show was explaining machine learning and probability and data science and how to look at the world through that lens, through the lens of mathematics. And so the new segment I want to announce today is we're going to do a probability distribution of the week, uh, and we're going to learn about different types of probability distributions. Now, first of all, um, I don't think it, it, it's it's not obvious to people like what a probability distribution is. It's not just a bunch of uh, curves on a graph, you know. So. Um, I, I feel like it's it's something that you don't really talk about much until you get into into you know intro probability and statistics, and even there, right. it's kind of glossed over. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, you have like box and whisker charts and things, and that's essentially uh, you know looking at a probability distribution. But the way I look at it is that, um, and you kind of have to understand what a ma- mathematical space is. But a mathematical space uh, we, we've talked about before is uh, actually. I have a whole article in mathematical space, so let's say like how I defined it. Um, but it, it's it's essentially a way of codifying different values that you're interested in. So I'd be interested to see. I'm going to look up how I I um, a mathematical space is informally a collection of mathematical objects under consideration. Um, the universe of mathematical objects within a space are precisely defined entities whose rules of interaction come baked into the rules of the space. A space differs from a set in several important ways, and then I go into that. So, okay, um, essentially, let's give some examples of a mathematical space. So, like, the most obvious one is just the real number system, the number line, um, or counting numbers is a mathematical space, or you could have, like, a Boolean mathematical space where there's only one and zero, or true and false. 
Uh, so it's just, it's basically the values under consideration. And so in probability theory, these are called events that can occur. Um, and uh, a probability distribution is a way of assigning probability values to events, which is kind of like portions of this mathematical space um, uh, it, it, in a way that makes sense. So if the mathematical space is finite, like let's say there are only five things that we need to know. Okay, so we assign probability to all five of these events. They're all mutually exclusive. All those probabilities add up to, uh, add up to one. And uh, we kind of make sense. That's a, that's a probability distribution, but it's a finite probability distribution. It's a probability, uh, uh, it's their probability masses there. Uh, I, I forgot so what the So we could do that for something like uh, rolls of a six-sided die. Exactly, exactly. Um, in continuous space, you can't do it uh, as, as cleanly because in continuous space, you know, really what you're talking about is a region of it. So let's say there's, I, I don't know, let's say I'm going to uh, uh, land on a, I'm, I'm going to throw a dart, right? And what's the probability that I land on the inner circle there? Well, there are lots of points within that inner circle. Uh, so, uh, you, you, you could know, even I, say an infinite number of points. Sure, sure. Maybe not, if not physically, then uh, in, the, in our mathematical abstraction of it, there are. So um, essentially, you want to have like um, continuous blotches, and you want to be able to assign those probabilities in a way that makes sense. So that's all it is. It's an assignment of probabilities to uh, different, different regions, which are called events, or different event space, different event sets, and it, it needs to be done in kind of a reasonable way. So there are rules. You can't just be like, okay, let's say the, let's say the target has um, concentric circles, right? You can't just say, okay, I think the probability of being in the inner circle is 50%, but the probability of being in the, the, the second circle out is now 20%. Well, it doesn't, that doesn't make sense because the, the outer circle contains the inner circle. So if the inner circle is 50%, the outer circle has to be at least 50% too. So there's some criteria that's given in mathematics. Kind of the, kind of the traditional one is called the Komolgorov criteria. This guy Komolgorov, he did like everything, if you, if you know that. Uh, he comes up in AI too, at Komolgorov complexity. Uh, but um, I think some of his criteria might be too strong, but there's some obvious things like, okay, if you have two mutually exclusive event spaces, then the, the, you know, the probability should add, right? So um, some of the things that I think, some of the areas where I think it's okay to relax his criteria based on my personal experience and probability is, first of all, I think it's okay not to assign probabilities to certain parts of the space. Mathematicians often want to be complete. They want to be like, okay, we've assigned numbers to everything and you know, everything's all good. But I think in the real world, there are cases where we want to say, hey, there's a 90% chance the answer is in this region and we'll assign very good probabilities in this region here. But on the 10% outside, we're not going to assign probabilities. We just don't know. I can assign some base probability distribution on that 10% outside, but, you know, there's some overhead in doing that. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily require someone do that. Um, and, uh, I also, and this is again, controversial. I don't think that they need to be normalizable. So in the case of the finite case, you want all the probabilities to add to one that should always be possible because you just divide by the sum. 
in the continuous case, if you know calculus, the area under the curve is supposed to be one. Sometimes that's not possible either, but I think there are, there are cases where, where that should be uh, okay. One of the obvious cases is pick a random, uh, you know, a, a random uh, counting number. You know, every number has the same probability. So the, the number one has the same probability as the number 10 and it has the same probability of, you know, 10 to the hundredth power. Um, now, okay, what's, if you want to say now, okay, what's the probability of any given number? It's zero because, you know, they're all, you know. One, one over infinity. Exactly, exactly. And so that, that wouldn't be allowed by certain criteria, but actually you can analyze that situation in a Bayesian sense. Now, probably in the real world, uh, when you then go to model the real world, you don't want an unnormalizable distribution, but they're often very helpful in mathematics as like, okay, this is an extreme case that I want, I want to see what the boundary is. So that's my take on that. Um, for some people listening, this is probably going over their heads a little bit, but, uh, we're, uh, <laughs> if the crypto stuff didn't, uh, but, um, I think we're going to get into it case by case on a case by case basis. So I don't think we're going to go, I already mentioned a few probability distributions, uh, in, in the last, uh, you know, in the last few minutes, but I think we're going to, I think we're going to start, uh, what's the, I don't know what the first one to start at is. It might be the uh, categorical distribution, uh, but, um, which I already mentioned, which is the one where you just have a finite number of things. Uh, but, uh, I think we could do a deep dive on that because sometimes it's a little more complicated, uh, than, than it seems at first glance. So, all right, this'll be fun. And I think if we do this five to 10 times, we'll get a good understanding of the different types of probability distributions and we'll all be like a lot smarter. So, so how, how many how many distributions do I need to get on my distribution of the week punch card before I get a free distribution? <laughs> they're all free. Uh, <laughs> yes, they're all free. They're all they're all normalizable to uh, to infinity. So, so they're all so, free. So, so if if you're listening out there and you have a favorite distribution that you want yeah. to make sure that we talk about, uh, let let us know. Right. Go on to localsmaximum.locals.com or just send me an email, localmaxradio at gmail.com. All right. I think that's it for today. I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? No, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to talking more about distributions in the future. And uh, I'm uh, looking forward with maybe a little more angst to seeing how this crypto stuff shakes out. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, if you thought you were afraid of the crypto stuff, be very afraid of the distributions because they're they're coming for you. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll we'll do some. Hopefully, come on the show and maybe come here because then then we'll do it together. Because I, I assume I could do these on the solo show as, as well, but uh, it's kind of more fun to to do these these together. Maybe we could like record a bunch of them and and, and for and sure clip them in. So all right, great. Uh, it's really great to be back. It's great to be back home after traveling and pork fest and. Uh, North Carolina and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, th this comes out 4th of July. So yeah, I was, um, was going to say happy Independence Day to our American happy Independence Day. and uh, ha happy Canada Day to uh, to our, our friends to the north. Canada I, I Day is on 4th of July. No, no, no. no not... I, I think it's I think it's July 1st. What? Don't quote me on it. How is it so close to ours that uh, <laughs> it's unfair? All right. That's, I'm sure they're more upset about it than we are. Um, all right. Uh, sounds good. Yeah, the, Canada's not too far from here. All right. 
we'll wrap up with that. Uh, have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and our online community at maximum.locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.